Welcome to another episode of the Chef Educator Today, the show that provides and discusses various teaching tools, tips, and techniques for the culinary, hospitality, and pastry arts educator. And now, coming to you through the airways from Palm Beach County, Florida, here is your host, doctor, professor, and chef, Mr. Colin Roche. Hello, everyone, and welcome to another episode of the Chef Educator Podcast. My name is Dr. Colin Roach, and I am your host. We created this podcast to be a comprehensive resource for both new and veteran culinary, baking and pastry, and hospitality educators, teachers, and faculty at both secondary and post-secondary educational institutions. Our hope is to offer a collection of practical and effective teaching tools, tips, and techniques that we can all use in our classrooms and or labs. And if this is of interest, please be sure to let us know. Don't forget to subscribe and give each episode a positive rating. It is only with your help and support that this podcast is possible. So now let's get right into today's episode, which is the second episode in the series of shows on the subject of grading, assessment, and evaluation. In this series, I want to take a long, hard, honest, and uncensored look at the way we grade students in our schools today and how we report their learning progress. Along the way, I plan to share with you information and research from a variety of resources, and I'll include these sources in the show notes. A few of the more influential books that I want to mention right away are On Your Mark by Thomas Gusky, A Repair Kit for Grading by Ken O'Connor, and Learner-Centered Assessment on College Campuses by Mary Hubba and Jan Freed. So today I want to speak specifically on grade confusion. Most students bring with them an unhealthy attitude toward grading that has been instilled in them by parents and school teachers, an attitude based on the flawed assumption that grades are supposed to function as carrots and sticks. Consequently, it is not enough for me to simply include my grading policy on the syllabus. Instead, I feel I must also explain it to my students along with the true purpose of grades, in order to ensure that the students understand the process a little better and acquire a more accurate conception of grading so that it enhances rather than impedes their learning. And I have found that I need to do this throughout the semester. A single explanation of grading in the first week of classes doesn't have much impact. It seems to go right over their heads and they constantly ask about their grades and how they were calculated throughout the course, especially right after the midterm, it seems, and towards the end of the course when you know, we're getting ready to finish and grades are coming out. Now, I realize that students truly don't understand grading and that I am up against 12 or more years of usually incorrect grade socialization. So here is how I try and explain grading. I start by explaining that grading is a tool. And like any other tool, it is meant to perform certain specific functions. To explain those functions, I like to use a simple analogy of a speedometer that I once read about in an article. And since most of my students drive, they hopefully can relate. I tell them to think about a car's speedometer. It is a tool that performs two interrelated functions. Number one, it measures speed. Number two, it communicates that information to the driver. And in a similar way, this is how grading works. 
grading is a tool that also performs two interrelated functions. Number one, it assesses academic performance. And number two, it communicates that information to the student as well as other stakeholders. Now, when driving, you glance at the speedometer to determine the speed of the vehicle. And if it is the speed you want, you try to maintain it. If it is not, you make appropriate adjustments. And this is how you, the students, are supposed to use and benefit from whatever it is that your grades are telling you. I tell them it is perfectly normal to desire good grades in school since they serve as evidence that a student has demonstrated competence in a particular area. But problems arise when students assume that their primary goal in college is to earn good grades so that they can achieve and maintain a certain GPA. This is like believing that the primary goal of driving a car is not to reach a particular destination, but to achieve or maintain a certain speed, which of course is ridiculous. Since grades have only instrumental value rather than any intrinsic value, they must be treated as only a means to some end and never as the end in themselves. I follow this up by telling my students that if your primary goal in college is to receive good grades, you will probably view the required work to get those grades as a burdensome obstacle and you are not as likely to feel very motivated to do the work. On the other hand, if you immerse yourself into the subject matter and the material, you are more likely to receive good grades because you are so focused on the learning that grades have ceased to matter. And I'm sure many of you already know the process of grading is misunderstood by most students. And we know this from the type of questions that students tend to ask about their own grades. Here are a few examples of frequently asked questions that you may have heard in your classroom. It is not uncommon for a student to ask, why did you take off points? Well, let's think about that for a minute. What kind of reasoning would lead someone to ask such a question? The student seems to be assuming that they already had a full score and that the professor is therefore responsible for taking away some of what rightfully belonged to them. Needless to say, this is a mistaken assumption. So whenever a student asks me that question, I try to explain that students don't start out with a perfect score and then lose points because the professor takes them off. Rather, students start out with zero points and then must earn all of their points throughout the course. Therefore, instead of asking, why did you take off my points? A better question would be, why was I not able to earn a perfect score? In other words, tests and other assignments are additive rather than subtractive. I explain you start with a zero. For every correct answer, you earn points. If a question is worth a total of five points and you cover four of them correctly, you earned four points. And when I seem to explain it this way, students react pretty positive to this. And students need to understand that learning is never directly caused by anything that a professor or teacher does. It happens as a result of the student's own activities, such as reading, thinking, writing. The professor or teacher can only facilitate that process. And since the responsibility for learning lies with the student, so does the burden of demonstrating that he or she has actually achieved that learning. 
I have also found that often students are not aware of a teacher's responsibility for maintaining a reasonable standard of fairness. Have you ever heard statements such as these, if I don't get an A in this course, I will lose my scholarship. Or, um, if I don't get a B, I won't get into the master's program. Or, if I don't get whatever grade they say, this will kill my GPA. Or, you got me off the dean's list. What these students seem to be suggesting is that we, as teachers, should not treat them like everybody else in the class because of their special circumstances or difficult career paths. Of course, in principle, these requests shouldn't trouble our conscience because we are under no obligation to assign grades simply on the basis of what students want or need. And here's another one. After receiving a poor grade on an assignment, students have sometimes asked me the following question. What can I do to improve my grade in this course? Depending on the student in the specific class, I usually respond with something along the lines of, well, you could study more, um, be sure to do all the practice examples that I've posted uh, for you guys to do, or come to my office hours, or maybe even go to the school's tutoring center. However, I have found what that question usually implies is that I should give the student an additional assignment so that they can make up for their previous less than stellar performance. And when that happens, I suspect the main reason students make such a request is that they haven't taken the time to think through its implications. It's obviously unfair to give opportunity for extra credit to only one student, but giving the opportunity to everyone in the class is not always practical. And when they outright ask for extra credit assignments, I usually explain that there is already plenty of work and assignments built into the course, and we really don't need any extra. Plus, I tell them that it, wouldn't be, it would be unethical for me to only offer it to them and not the whole class. Now, however, on certain assignments, I do allow students to redo them in order to fulfill a course learning objective, but it is offered to the whole class, not just one specific student. Because like all teachers, I want my students to be more concerned about the state of their learning instead of agonizing over what grades they're going to get. For a student who is truly focused on learning, the appropriate question to ask is not, how can I earn a better grade, but rather, what do I need to learn that will enhance my academic performance? In addition, I want my students to understand that there are certain functions that grading is not designed to perform. For instance, grading cannot measure a student's effort. We have all probably heard a student say some version of, I worked so hard in this course and spent so much time studying, but I only received a blank, you know, fill it in. I only received a D. I only received a B. I only received a C. And students like this probably assume that grading is intended to gauge the time and effort that students invest in their studies, an assumption that clearly isn't true or even possible. I tell them, I cannot grade anyone's effort because I cannot measure it. What I do think I can measure is whether my students can solve problems that require knowledge and understanding of the facts and principles of the particular subject I'm teaching. It is not an intelligence measure, it is a specific performance measure. As teachers, we rarely observe our students outside of the classroom or lab, which is why we are in no position to judge how hard or long someone has studied. We can only assess their actual performance. A student using ineffective methods of study would have to work a lot harder and a lot longer than a student who is using effective methods. Similarly, a student who is trying to 
do multiple things simultaneously or is being constantly distracted by technology is likely to accomplish much less in the same amount of time that a student who is giving full attention to the task at hand. So in actuality, their time on task really means nothing. And grading cannot measure a student's progress either. On the first day of classes in any given course, some students are already ahead of others because they have a special aptitude for or a particular interest in the subject matter at hand. And some students are already at a disadvantage. You know, perhaps they grew up in an intellectually impoverished environment or their personal inclination doesn't match the subject matter of the course or, you know, they bring into the class some deeply ingrained misconceptions that will inhibit them from fully engaging with the material. And just because a student gets an A in the class doesn't mean that they have learned a lot. They could have brought that knowledge into the class with them. On the other hand, a student who gets a C or even a D could have learned a lot by coming into the class with zero, zilch knowledge on the subject. However, they just didn't fulfill the course requirements at the level required, but they still learn. In some of my classes, I've actually begun pre- and post-testing my students as a way of measuring their true learning. You know, what did they walk away with and what did they come in with? And that's really one of the true ways to find that out, not by grades. Now, typically, professors do not take such an initial advantage or disadvantage into account when evaluating student performance, mainly because such factors cannot be realistically quantified. Some students must invest more time and effort than other students in order to receive the same grade. That may seem unjust, but I tell students it simply mimics the way real life functions. Yeah, that's going to happen out in the industry. Even academic performance in the form of exams, presentations, projects, essays, provides the professor with no more than a cross-section of all that a student learns during a semester. But it's not the only thing. Consider this common student complaint. I learned so much in this course, but I only received a blank, you know, whatever. Again, I only received a C, I only received a D. And I hear this a lot. And it's true that the quantity of what a student learns is one of the main factors that determine his or her academic performance and grade, but it is also true that not everything a student learns in a course can actually be tested and measured and graded in a reliable fashion. The most important skills that any student can acquire, such as uh, abstract thinking, self-awareness, empathy, perspective, uh, respect, love of learning, curiosity, uh, responsibility, these are all things that are unquantifiable, but they're very important. I try to help my students realize that learning is its own reward. No amount of accolades, trophies, diplomas, or money can equal the worth of one's actual learning. I tell them, I actually have five degrees, yet no one has ever asked me what grade I got in any individual class. They don't care. What they do care about is that I've you, you finish the program, you finish the degree, you finish the certificate, and that you can do the job. It is impossible to reduce the full richness or value of a genuine learning experience to something as bland as a letter grade. And with that said, I want my students to avoid defining themselves in terms of a grade. I tell them, you are not your grades. I want them to know that Grades represent nothing more than someone's assessment of one or more instances of their academic performance. Giving the nature of the 
grading process and the limited purposes for which it is designed, the grades they receive are in no way a reflection of who they are as people or even what they are capable of achieving in the long run. Grades do not represent an objective measure of students' intelligence, capabilities, talents, or potential, nor do they capture the essence of their character, soul, or worth as human beings. An A in a particular assignment or a course does not make the recipient a worthy person, just as a D or an F does not make anyone an unworthy person. In discussing these matters with my students, my aim is to reduce their grade-related anxiety as much as possible. I believe that when students see their grades as pieces of information rather than an external reward or punishment or mechanism of control, they are much more likely to discover the joy that is inherent in the very experience of learning. I often share a story with my students about when I was in culinary school in Boston. I received a C in my classical cakes class, the lowest grade I ever received in any of my classes or degrees. The teacher approached me around the middle of the class and said, Mr. Roach, you could do so much better in this class grade-wise if you would just apply yourself. She was a very large German woman. My response was something along the lines of, yes, you're right. However, in my mind, I was thinking, I am not interested in this skill. I have learned as much as I think I need to learn to get the gist of it. And when I'm an executive chef, I'm going to hire a pastry chef to do all of this. You see, to me, it came down to an allocation of scarce resources. I was working a full-time chef's job at the time. I had a full course load with other classes and assignments. And I was a commuter student who lived pretty far from campus. My time was limited. Therefore, I needed to prioritize and spend it on what was best for my situation at that time. That C wasn't going to stress me out. It didn't define me, nor did it really affect my future. And that C had nothing to do with the instructor. It was all me. We as teachers need to help our students recognize that instructors do not give grades due to kindness or malice, generosity or stinginess but that it is the students themselves who earn their grades by producing excellent, average, or mediocre work. In other words, we need to change the culture of our classrooms so that students can become less reactive and more proactive. The point is to shift the perception of responsibility from the instructors to the students. And this shift to happen, students must be made aware that, number one, the grades they earn are the direct result of the quality of their academic performance and that they, not the instructors, are in control of the quality of work they produce. Number two, students are not passive victims of the whims and moods of irrational instructors, but are fully responsible for the consequences of their own choices. Number three, the instructors are not using their authority to assign grades as a means to show their personal likes and dislikes, nor as a means to reward and punish. Number four, the instructors are not free to assign whatever grades they feel like giving, for they are bound by specific rules, procedures, and standards. And number five, the standards that instructors use to evaluate students' works were not arbitrarily concocted by the instructors themselves, but are simply the academic standards of their discipline that they too must abide by in their careers, research, and in the industry. 
For example, a Brunoise cut is a cube that measures an eighth inch by one eighth inch by one eighth inch. I didn't make that up. A Hollandaise sauce is a warm, semi-permanent emulsion of clarified butter held in suspension by egg yolks that are seasoned and flavored with lemon. Again, not something I concocted, but a standard set by history, the industry, customer expectations that I then use as a benchmark to grade students by. Now, of course, we must ensure that we actually practice these principles and not just preach them as theory. I also realize that implementing this is by no means easy, partly because the solution calls for changing our language in specific ways so that we are seen not as powerful autocrats who can bestow or withhold as they please, but as referees who merely apply the rules. Changing one's language is hard to do, partly because it requires considerable self-awareness and partly because it involves altering deep-seated habits but it is by no means impossible. Remember, grades generally reflect the degree to which a student has mastered a given set of academic content according to a professor's judgment. Grades are not an objective measure of students' intelligence since exams and assignments are typically designed to determine whether students have learned what they were taught in a given course or unit of a course and not how intelligent they are. Furthermore, intelligent comes in many different varieties, most of which play little or no role in determining the quality of what we usually call academic performance. And same goes for students' capabilities and talents. If I was asked to measure these things, I wouldn't even know where to start. As for students' potential for future success, we can probably make some guesses by looking at their grades, but we can also make the same or better guesses simply by talking with the students. Yet success is the result of a combination of numerous factors, many of which are unknowable and or unpredictable. I mean, think about it. We all know students who have achieved great success in their careers and life who were pretty mediocre as students. And then we also know students who are highly successful in school yet kind of failed in the long run to make anything of themselves. Here's a thought. If grades were an accurate and sufficient indicator of a student's intelligent capability, talents, and potential, then there'd be no need for writing or reading letters of recommendation. The relationship between grades on the one hand and students' intelligence, capabilities, talents, or potential on the other hand is neither precise nor straightforward, since too many additional factors are involved whose influence cannot be captured by grading. However, this does not mean that grades are useless. It only means, like any other instrument of measurement, grading has its flaws and limitations. And in the interest of learning, it's important for both faculty and students to recognize those flaws and limitations. Generally, grading distorts our relationship with our students and perverts education. For a variety of reasons, well documented by research, students, and sometimes faculty, are very much orientated to grading as the end rather than the means. Now, some strategies that I use in my teaching to try to mitigate the ill effects of this this grading orientation are, number one, clear learning objectives. I put them right at the top of the syllabus. It's about what you should be able to do and know by the end of the course with no numbers or assignments attached. It's a statement of ideals. Number two, assignments and grading explicitly geared toward assessing students' attainment of those learning objectives. This means being a lot more thoughtful about what I assign them to do and what grades are 
supposed to assess. It makes the assessment process seem less random because it is less arbitrary. Number three, emphasis on giving explicit feedback, and that's both formative as well as summative, on each assignment and assessment, and model and reward so that the feedback matters and students can incorporate that new learning into the next assignment or assessment. In the minds of many students, learning stops as soon as a grade is given. Instead of encouraging continued study, they signal that it's time to move on to a new idea. Once they know the grade, it's done. But they don't use it to like, what is it telling you? How can you take that information to make a change so that in the long run or as you go forward, you improve? I also have the 24-hour rule. This is number four. Sometimes helping our students become less reactionary can be helpful by adding some space and time. In some classes, I impose a 24-hour rule by stating something along the lines of, you are welcome to discuss your grades with me, but must wait at least 24 hours after getting your paper, test, or project back to ask me about your paper's grade or the comments on it or how you earned them. This often removes the knee-jerk reaction and emotions from these students, and usually Later on, 24 hours later, only those students who are generally motivated and interested to talk to me about their papers do so the next day during my office hours. Well, the other ones just say, well, they don't even want to talk about it. So I have found this to be pretty effective. I also recommend you discuss grades with your students on the first day of class to stimulate a discussion about grading, which is what grades should assess. Students sometimes need to be reminded that one of the outcomes of their seeking higher education is to practice the art of learning. And this is really what future employers want to know. Can the students learn? Or can this student learn? Will they respond well to coaching? Are they trainable? Therefore, students should focus more on learning. When students do focus on the learning, they will earn the grades, the positions, and the salaries they desire. They don't get stuck on the grade part. Grades have created a world where students have forgotten that they can assess their own growth toward important academic goals. I mean, if they're just in a classroom where the only feedback that anyone seems to value are scores given by teachers, well, too many of today's students will sit passively waiting for the judgment of others, stripped of their self-reflective and evaluative skills that literally define the most successful people. I have a clear rubric and a list of criteria for my assignments, projects, and tests, so if they question a score for a specific question or part, I'm able to say, look, You covered A, B, and C, but not D. So they can actually self-assess. Now, for some students, the number is all that matters. How they got there is meaningless to most. What they learned is mostly unimportant, and even the idea of reassessing is considered not worth the trouble, even if it means an improvement in their ultimate numeric grade. It's all about the number. But when you think about it, what does uh, an 87 mean? Nothing. It is a summative number that carries with it no explanation, no foundation. If you look at any teacher's grading policy, that 87 could have been arrived at in 5, 10, 15 different ways. So an 87 for my student may mean something quite different from an 87 for your student. On top of that, it really does not tell us either how smart a student is or how well they understand the material. It's just a number. We're trying to explain that to our students. At the beginning of the course, I make it clear that I don't give you a grade. It's not a gift. You earn a grade. It's like a paycheck, which they seem to understand pretty well. Students and most teachers talk about giving or getting grades. 
This is incorrect terminology. When I go over the syllabus, I explain to the students that they do not get grades and that I do not give grades. They earn the grade. When questioned as to why I gave them a C, I turn that around, tell them that they earned the C all by themselves. It shifts the responsibility from me to them so that they have the ownership. And I think you should try this technique because it's a very effective strategy since, again, it helps to shift the perception of responsibility from the messenger or referee, us, the teacher, to the person who is in fact responsible, which is the student. It also empowers the students to recognize their capacity to affect and shape their own lives instead of seeing themselves as passive victims of circumstances or of other people's decisions. In this way, it can even help some students move towards greater maturity and independence. So in conclusion, the challenge is to slowly but surely chip away at the students' perceptions about what grades could or should be. While it can happen all at once, I really do believe that we can make assessment and feedback a more important part of the work we do with our students. Passion for learning is being crushed in our quest for grades, and that is the real heartbreaker. You know, because when schools become nothing more than a hunt for grades instead of a hunt for meaning and knowledge and purpose, you know, we as teachers, as education, as society are failing. Okay, so as mentioned, I have future episodes dedicated to this topic, so be sure to subscribe so you're alerted when they drop. Another way to get more information is to check out the book titled Culinary Educators Teaching Tools and Tips, which is published by Kendall Hunt. I wrote this comprehensive resource with my co-authors specifically for both new and seasoned culinary and hospitality educators. Written in an easy-to-understand format, the book has numerous charts, templates, and examples throughout, and it is available in both electronic and hard copies. Again, the book's title is Culinary Educators Teaching Tools and Tips, and it can be purchased on Amazon or through the publisher's website at www.kendallhunt.com. And I will put a link to this in the show notes. You can also find out information about this and many other things on my website, which is chefroach.com, chefroach.com. Well, that is all the time we have for this episode of The Chef Educator. Until we meet again, keep learning, keep teaching, and keep cooking. Thanks for listening. Bye-bye.